Hey everybody, welcome back to Beers and Careers. I'm your host, Mark Augustinelli. And as always, Beers and Careers is brought to you by the good folks at the Davis Companies, www.daviscoast.com. That's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Um, you may have heard that talent is in short supply these days, and uh, Davis has some unique strategies to help you find the right talent in this evolving market. So check them out. Uh, today's guest is Cliff Stevens. Uh, what an energetic conversation. I mean, it definitely helps that a guy in advertising was doing some of the storytelling today, but he's got a phenomenal career path. We talked about balancing, um, you know, our families desires, needs, wants, goals with our own careers, but also the power of networking and mentorship. And uh, in particular, Cliff has a unique take on the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. And I think you're really going to like it. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Thanks. We're ready to go. Cool. Right? Cliff Stevens. Awesome. Freaking cheers. Welcome to Beers and Careers, my man. Thank you very much, Mark, for having yeah, me. Yeah, cheers. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Cliff is VP and Managing Director at Liberty Mutual. Yep. Um, and uh, just met you about three minutes ago. But before we get into like your career and, and talking about that, just got to have ask a couple of quick questions. Sure. Are you drinking your favorite cocktail, or what is your favorite cocktail? Yes. Staple cocktail. Staple. Go-to go staple Tito's and tonic. And then, now give me your favorite. Ooh. Are you old-fashioned. Oh, I, like, I do. Yeah. I, like, I've gone the gluten-free route, so yeah. that's one of those things that uh, like limits that. your capabilities a little bit here on the... The diversity of beverages. Now, uh, I have to ask because I'm a I'm yeah. a Manhattan guy, but I love an old fashioned. Yeah. Do you do you uh, feel particularly strong about one or the other? No, I yeah. actually appreciate both. Right. I think oh, it was yeah. one of those where it it was could have gone either way. I mean, I'm in advertising and marketing. There's scotch, there's rye. Like <laughs> okay. you, you kind of need to know what those are when you're growing. Up. Right. And so, I tried all of those. I loved you know Manhattan's when I was growing up, and then old fashions became the thing, and now it's. Uh, occasionally have some nice bourbon every now and then. I like that. Yeah. While I'm growing up, you're like, like Manhattan. Yeah, I, mean, I was twelve. I felt cool. <laughs> I felt cool ordering them. You know. Um. So. What was your first job? First job. First official job. Yeah. There's like obviously the 16 year old job, and then yeah. the 16 year old job is the assistant tennis pro at Chelmsford Swimming Tennis Club. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Six twenty five an hour. Love it. Working for Sue Carmaris with my best friend, Charlie Carmaris. Oh, I like that. So okay. Yes, we were Very the, cool. We were the assistant tennis pros. So First real job. First real job, JWT in New York. Also, okay. J. Walter Thompson. Okay. Large global agency. I was an assistant account executive, making thirty grand a year in, yeah. in, uh, in Manhattan. And I was working on Listerine pocket pack strips. Remember those breath strips? That I, you do with I may have purchased some. Yeah, like back in the Everyone mid 2000s. Did. Yeah, <laughs> early 2000s. Right. right? Yeah. So they were they were cool. Um, and wow. so that was my first real entry into advertising and understanding the power of media and consumption and understanding how much people were spending against brands. Mm. That was a, it was an eye opener, even as a small brand. Yeah, so. oh, really, really interesting. Are you are you like into quotes at all? You have any favorite quotes? I'm not actually a big quote person. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's all right. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things I like. There's things where I'll look at something and I'll put it on my wall. Like I, I had something the other day that said, um, see how people show up in the world. Right. Ah. So it's just one of those things because I think about like my team and all that. And it's yeah. like I try and like actually listen and listen back. And so someone said that to me the other day. They're like, yeah, I want to see how they show up in the world. And I was like, mm. I'm going to steal that. And yeah. That as a sticky note. Oh, on dig, dig. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Hey, you kind of are. You kind of are. Um, into the meat of the combo. You, what, I mean, looking at your background, I saw so many things that were interesting. Sure. Like, A, the agency world, just yep. because that's kind of always been a personal curiosity sure. of mine, but also the fact that, like, I saw Miami, New yep. York, San Fran, now yep. you're in Boston. Yep. And then I think you've got the experience of in-house um, yep. versus going outside. So, like, talk to me about how, like, maybe, all right, you, you went to Trinity, you yep. graduate. Why Manhattan? Yeah. Why New York City? Was that like New York City first, or what, did you did you want the job and it happened to be Great. New York City? Great question. So I was, it, I'd say the catalyst for my interest in advertising and marketing was two things. One was um, I'd come from a family-based business based on like a long history of textiles in the United States. Like, oh, cool. Like I was kind of a black sheep that didn't go into it, but okay. I was also based on the fact that when I asked my dad for a job, he wouldn't give me one in the family mm. company, which I loved, because yeah. he's like, no, go make something yourself, and when you Figure. feel good about it, and I've taken this 
company into a different direction than, you know, like, let's talk. And that was a great thing. And I always knew I wanted some form of business side, but I also grew up, you know, with the arts in my family. Like, we were, you know, I was a king of acapella through high school yeah. and college. I was yeah. that guy. And um, cool. And I loved being around art and understanding that side. So when I was at Trinity, I took a master class um, with this guy that was at Young and Rubicon, which is a big agency in New York. Uh, and I would chat with him after each master class about advertising, the power of branding and identity mm. and Finally, I realized, I was like, this might be the field I want to go into. Okay. So I landed, uh, I was thinking between Boston and New York, and uh, I had applied for roles. I actually got this role by understanding the power of networking. Um, I was teaching tennis one summer down on Fisher's Island after my junior year. Where's Fisher's Island? It's in New York. Okay. So it's, uh, yeah. there's like the hey, I'm a Boston guy, I don't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, right off of New London, I was okay. doing a marketing internship at the family company, and yep. then I'd drive down on Thursdays and teach tennis for the weekend. And my last lesson this summer, I was speaking to this one guy, and I said, hey, I'm interested in advertising. He's like, oh, I work at DDB. I used to work at JWT. And I said, would you would you take a look at my resume? And sure enough, I didn't think anything about it. Yeah. And then I tried to apply, and I got no responses. And finally, I emailed him, and I said, hey, would you be kind enough to send him my resume or take a look at it? And two days later, I got a call from HR during my senior year saying, hey, we got your you know, resume, and we'd love to have a conversation with you. And so that started the beginning of senior year. I said, look, I'm graduating in the spring. They're yeah. like, we'll get back to you. And then it finally landed me a role there, and I uh, started August 3rd. It was the, the week of the New York blackout in, mm. in New York when they lost the power grids right. and everything, and everyone thought it was you know, another terrorist attack, but it was just basically you know, the huge power surge, and uh, that was my first week of work. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. How, really cool. I never um, – I think I've always liked – uh, I don't have the same like arts background necessarily. Although yep. like I was a big uh, music guy growing up, like not guitar, like full on band, jazz band. Love that. Kind of there thing. you go. Um, and it kind of unfortunately fell apart. I'm actually trying to rip it back in. Yeah, I like more with the kids and stuff. But I I almost feel like advertising kind of is. I mean, I'm sure there's others that I'm not thinking about. So maybe I'm blind right now. But like, it's a great marriage of art and business. Hundred percent. Like that's that's a lot of the conversation is. When you think about consumerism and you think yeah. about uh, the impact of, call it the psychology of like yeah. why people buy products yeah. or why they you know engage in service, and then the other side is it it combines this kind of amazing art side of creativity and the inspiration behind that, and I, I love that. I loved you know dissecting how ads were made. Like, yes. Hey, do they go out to Hollywood? And this is my early days. Like, do they go to Hollywood and actually work with directors? Yes. Like, yeah. How do you create a cool new website experience? What that looks like? Mm. And this is like 2003. Yeah. So it's pre-digital explosion, if you will. And it was very linear at that point. And it was a great kind of time to learn it. But I loved it because every time I had a chance to connect with creatives and get their thoughts and see new ideas on paper, it felt like a brand new day. Mm. And I was working on Listerine Pocket Max. Right. So that's, this yeah. is Nike. So the product wasn't what mattered. You were just straight yeah. up interested. I was interested. Yeah. I remember the first 15-second spot that we created and the clients approved it. And then I went and my creative director was like, we should go celebrate. This is your first 15-second TV spot. You're going to see this on air in like a week. Wow. And I was like, all right, let's do that. And right. it, uh, I think it's also um, when you're in the advertising and marketing space, there's a true, similar to like the Davis companies, like there's a true like family camaraderie type style to yeah. it, which I really liked. Um, people get inspired by those ideas and they mm. can see them amplify. So it's, um, yeah, it's been amazing to see it. And it does take you into different worlds where you'll understand film or music or, um, you know, current day of, where people's values are. And yeah. so I, I think there's this great intersection of a lot of different facets yeah. of society. Culture. Pop culture. You are, you are. Yeah, you gotta be on You gotta be on it. So yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. All right, so then you take that job. Walk me through like maybe the Reader's yeah, Digest the, version of how you got to where you are. Yeah, Reader's Digest. So, uh, so in New York, I basically, I cut my teeth, right? Like yeah. that's where I like really learned the business. You know, Pfizer consumer healthcare products at JWT, working on Domino's Pizza from a QSR world, doing crazy amounts of production. Um, I then worked at Draft FCB in New York where I was working on Gerber Nook nipples and understanding everything about breastfeeding at the age yeah. of 25 in New York, which was actually pretty awesome for me to be aware of that because I think I appreciate that much more when I had kids later. Oh my gosh. For sure, right? Um, and then I got an opportunity where a friend called me and said, hey, you got to come down to Miami. He's like, I'm at Crispin. It's this hot creative shop. Crispin was one of the strongest creative agencies in the country at the time. 
and BW was just amazing, and they just had a very different point of view about how to create advertising, much more visually arresting and, and impactful. And so I got a chance to go down there, I was down there for nine months, worked like crazy, mm. um, and I got laid off from that job. Okay. And so that was one of those big eye-openers, where I was like, all right, well, let's see what this is. And it was a good, it was actually okay, like I was completely fine with it, but it pushed me to wake up and say, okay, I'm good at what I do, mm -hmm. I don't agree with this decision. And then within a week and a half, I had traveled to New York based on calling my recruiter and then going to San Francisco and I had a job in McCann, San Francisco, uh, as working on Microsoft and launching Windows Server 2008. So Whoa. it was awesome. I got Whoa. a chance to travel across country. Pretty quickly, that pivot. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I knew, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Like I'd been at two huge agencies in New York. I worked at this crazy, intense place down in Miami. I knew I was going to be down there for six months to a year and a half. Like I didn't you know, obviously want to get let go, but right. I think it was a good eye-opener for me in my career to go, all right, like, this is yeah. a good thing. I, yeah. I don't have responsibilities right now. Right. Like, you know, I said that to their, you know, HR lady when I left. She's like, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry about this. I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to be good. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, uh, so how, I was... How old are you? So I was like 26, 27 cool. at this point. All right. I mean, that's still a pretty mature perspective. Well, I mean, I like I said, I... At the time frame, I think you have to do a lot of self-reflecting as you go through your career. And yeah. as I look back on that, like I, I know I did a good job there. And it was more of just the environment that I was in. And the decision mm. came out of nowhere. And I yeah. was like, okay. And I was also the eighth person to get let go by that same person that year. So okay. I was like, I don't know if this is me. Right. Could right. be. Right. And maybe I should look at that and be better. Right. Yes. Like, what could I do differently? Um, but it allowed me to say, okay, let's go out and party with the friends in Miami one last time. And the yeah. next morning I woke up and I'm... You know, I hustled, I bought a laptop, I called my recruiter, I was like, hey, here's the story, let me tell you about it. And I was like, how do I talk about this? He's like, be honest. So he set me up with four interviews in New York, three in Boston, I flew to San Francisco, and this happened like, Wednesday it happened, Thursday woke up, flew out Friday afternoon, wow. like right around, because I was ready to roll. Yeah. And I, so I was I'm like, all right, well this is part of my five year plan anyways, it just happened at different time frames, because when I left New York, I was like, all right, I'm going to go down to Miami, I'm going to go out to San Francisco, I'm going to go abroad globally, mm. and then I'll come back and kind of settle down, but I'll have this big range of experience. So this just forced me to make that happen a little bit sooner than I had planned. And the great people in McCann offered me this role, and I was like, all right, now I get to move to San Francisco. So I pack up the VW, yeah. drive across country, going through Texas, which took forever to get through. Uh, I envision you driving like a combi. <laughs> you say I packed up the VW. No, it was like a VW Jetta. Yeah, I worked I, on the brand and I, got like a discounted <laughs> at the agency I was at. So, and I had like blacked out windows because I yeah. was in Miami, um, which became illegal in San Francisco, which I didn't realize. <laughs> I, I think a car full of, um, oh gosh, uh, like Red Bull and those like Oreo Cakesters because those yes. were the rage at the time. And my friends still mock me for those now. Um, <laughs> and I landed in San Francisco and loved it. I like okay. fell in love with the city. The team was great out there. I love the vibe of how people talk about what they do on the weekends versus what you do for work. Like yes. one of those. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, very different. Yeah, and, and I and the best part about it is I met my my wife there. Right? Okay. Like, cool. So she and I both worked at um, at McCann. She was on a different division. She was a digital project manager, and she had, had this awesome story where she started as a receptionist, then worked in office services, oh. moved her way up. Like she's she's a hustler and, and just did it, and then she was in digital project management. And then so we kept our relationship quiet for yeah. like a year, which yeah. was actually really nice because we could actually be ourselves. And then 2009 hit. Yes. And part of the agency environment that people think about is, and you might think about this as well, is um, you go through RFPs and, and pieces of business go out the door. And so our Microsoft business, which was 70% of the revenue for that office at the time, went out the door. Mm -hmm. And what was nice about it in a bad way was it also forced me and Tiffany to basically make decisions like, do we want to stay in San Francisco? Yeah. Or do we want to make this move back to? Uh, by the way, this isn't the Reader's Digest. No, version. no, this is like a. No, this is really. This is the War and Peace version of this. <laughs> just so, so, where uh, is Tiffany from? So Tiffany is from Pennsylvania. Okay. So cool. Tiffany grew up in Pennsylvania. Right. So there's some motivation to get back east. Yeah. So she, exactly. Yeah. Like all of our friends are having like babies or kids or yeah. engagement parties, and we're missing them because we're poor living in San Francisco. Yeah, right. Right. And so we'd go back for vacation time periods or the holidays, and. Um, it was really kind of interesting because as we knew we were losing this business, Tiffany and I had made a conscious decision to go interview back east. So we went mm -hmm. and met at about, I 
think seven or eight agencies each in Boston, there was one role, which was this digital producer role that they offered to Tiffany because she's badass and awesome and she did a great job. And so she gets that offer on a Thursday mm-hmm. and we're like, right, we're moving back. We've got you. Like, you have to be sugar mama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I find a gig and do the whole thing. We're going to live with my folks, which is going to be <laughs> really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and so when you're like 28 years yeah, old, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Exactly. But we're going to move from my bedroom for a couple months later. That's going to be cool. Um, and at the same time, I've been obviously interviewing in San Francisco for saying that I got an opportunity in San Francisco. Wow. And so now we're at this moment of this crossroads of what do we do, right? And it's 2009. There's a lot of unknowns that are happening. It's like, and she was still had her job at McCann. And so we said, we sat down and we're like, look, let's talk through this. And so we're like, ah, ooh, ah, like, what do we do? And of course we do what every good couple does. We go up to Napa to like do some soul searching. 100%. We're some good friends. We come back to their, um, they have this awesome apartment. It's a buddy who actually works in insurance. And we sit down and we're opening up like a really good bottle of wine. We're sitting there and they're like, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, we're going to go. And Tiffany looks at me, she's like, wait, what? I was like, no, we're going to go. And she's like, when did you decide this? I'm like, like eight seconds ago. Yeah. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, we got to do this. This feels right. My this God. is the right time. And I was yeah. like, look, like, this is a good time for us to start our lives together. Let's pack up and like move back east. Like, we'll do this. Like, I'm, I'll be fine. Like, you'll be fine. You'll scale, scale your career, and I definitely will too. And so I was like, let's invest in you, and like, let's figure this thing out. And so... Uh, You're a I, smart said, man. I said, don't smart accept man. your role until I get officially laid off on Monday. And right. it was like the mass exodus layoffs. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was like they yeah. were unfortunately letting like 60, 50 divisions going this morning. It was just tough. Like, yeah. And so sure enough, I get to Monday. And as everyone's like walking out, like, see you at the bar, see you yeah. at the bar. Like, and everyone's headed over to like right along uh, the Embarcadero in San Francisco. It's me and my boss, and we're both staring, and we're like, well, are we part of, like, the transition team for 90 days? Yes. Like, they haven't called us yet. Like, what's going on? And finally, they're like, Cliff, can you meet us in conference room B and bring your things? And so I walk in, and they, like, basically, like, hand me the severance check. I bought the ring on Tuesday. Yeah. I called her as I walked down. I was like, hey, you can accept that role. I'm out of here. I'm yeah. the bar. And so I get that. I bought the ring on Tuesday, asked her to marry me on Saturday, and then we moved across country. Wow. Right there. So it was cool. And now we actually, which uh, which Brendan knows because he's been to our house, we have this mural in our basement which actually has the view of where I asked her to marry me wow. above the Golden Gate Bridge. So, um, I'm happy you gave me the War and Peace ring. There you go, right? The War yeah. and Peace ring. I mean, not a shocker that the advertising guy can yeah. tell stories, <laughs> but like, that is phenomenal. Yeah, this might go over your time. No, 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 give me context no, right the for it on that. Yeah, that's, that's sick. I, one thing you kind of glossed over, which I think is kind of important for people like who are listening and thinking yeah. about their careers. What, you said I had a five-year plan. Yeah. It was executing quick. You mentioned traveling abroad. I wanted to go yeah. to Miami. I wanted to go to San Fran. Like, when yeah. did you make the five-year plan? Is this in college or is this when you No, it was first? leaving New York. Like, okay. I'm, I'm like packed up in the U-Haul, driving down to Miami with all my okay. stuff from the East Village. And I had said, you know what, I'm going to do this the right way. Like, I had talked with a lot of leaders at the point that I looked up to. And I never said I lived my life in five-year chapters, which is something I've adopted now. Oh, you did? Okay. Interesting. But at the time frame, I had realized, I'm like, I've got this plan because I knew what my growth potential could be in the advertising and marketing landscape and what I wanted to accomplish. And so I thought of it as I had seen these huge massive agencies in New York and the infrastructures and the power of brands and big spending move down to yeah. Crispin in Miami, which was a very creative shop, get some tech experience when I was out in San Francisco or other vibes of a different infrastructure on the West Coast advertising right. and see what, like... I mean, it's, a different, it's a different country for yeah. all, for all And then I was going to go global, but that's when I met my wife. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, we're not going to go to Australia or England. where I, I wanted to go to an English-speaking country where I could actually still make an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah. when that, then we met in 2019, we're like, all right, well, now this is going to change a little bit, but also for the better. Yeah. So come back. Cool. Within two months, I landed Hill Holiday. Um, was there for seven years. Yeah, I saw that. That's where I grew up, right? Like, okay. that's where I came in as, like, an account supervisor, grew to a VP account director, and had an opportunity to work at Bank of America, business development opportunities. Um, and that was that was an amazing opportunity because I was also in that moment where I worked crazy hard in the bank, and they had just come through 2009 where they were the poster yeah. child for financial crisis, right? right? And you've also got the countrywide scenario mm-hmm. and some you know issues with Merrill Lynch 
So it was about how do we like reshape the value of this financial institution. I love that. It, yeah. was, it was like the first moment of really leaning into like Brand purpose and, and values. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, they actually lend invest in the local communities. And I, and I was like, okay, finally, this is like that moment where I can really sink my teeth into and feel like connected to the things I'm making. Um, and then I had some great mentors and advisors and sponsors there, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I had that actually clear distinction from one of my bosses, this guy, Chris Walrap, who's the president now. And he was either the chief growth officer or the head of new business. And I said, hey, I want to come work for you. And he was kind enough to take me under his wing. And he even taught me some life lessons of, I was like, one day we're having an argument about something. And he's like, I was like, why would you talk to me like that? You're my mentor. He's like, I'm not your mentor. And I was like, whoa, like, what yeah. does that mean? Like, we've gotten so close. Like, I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I'm your sponsor. And I was like, uh, oh, and he kind of gave me that distinction as part of like a moment in my career. So I've always thought Give me that it. distinction. So the way I'd easily describe it is mentors can give you advice on like things that you can do or give you situations. And they can kind of play sometimes in the moment of like therapist-based role yes. in a great way. But it's also just like you reach out to them as part of your like network. A sponsor is invested in you, mm. right? Like you're the, and this was the clear distinction that he made is like, look, your success like my success is powered by you and vice versa. Like there's a very like big value exchange in this moment. So I'm gonna invest in you and I'm gonna push you to work hard because yes, selfishly it'll it'll benefit me, but it actually benefits both of us. Yeah. And so he will look out for me in certain scenarios, he'll bring in me into key meetings. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, hey, come I join think, for this meeting with the CFO. I feel like when people are looking for mentors, they're really looking for sponsors. Yeah, I, it's a different dynamic. It's a different though. dynamic, it, yeah. it is, and I think that More was, intense. It, it can be, and yeah. I think it also has higher expectations of it. Right? Yeah. And so I think that's where you need to realize your network as you're growing your career is like, where do you lean for that advice? And mm. that's what, like one of those early stages where I, I thought about it with him. Um, so what was nice about it was when I worked in business development, once we won the Cadillac account, he's like, hey, help run this business. And you're going to partner with our Detroit office and this global office in London. And so we set up a new system for, for building that work. And that was, wow. I love sheet metal. That was an amazing, you know. Yeah. Uh, I love sheet metal. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that sounded so cheesy. Sorry. But I do. Like, it was one of those things like shooting cars and, you know, having the 2015 Escalade change and watching the badge on the Escalade should yeah. go from the classic crest to, like, this modern-day stretch yeah. version was amazing. Um, they were launching the, oh, gosh, the ELR. It's the electric vehicle. Yes, that's we right. created a slightly controversial ad for that at one point. Okay. And, which was then... After that, I also saw the politics of advertising where that business yes. went out the door yeah. from Hill Holiday. And that was a good aha moment of a side of the industry that I don't like. And mm. I realized, I'm like, look, that's a moment of real relationship understanding what that yeah. looks like. And the, but I had a fortunate moment where um, Chris and, the, and Karen Kaplan, who's an amazing CEO at Hill Holiday, said, hey, come help out on Dunkin'. Um, you know, we'd love to see what you can do there. So I worked on Dunkin' Donuts for about two years under an amazing... I'll call it advisor, mentor, sponsor, all of the above, and a guy named Brent Feldman, who I still connect with on a regular basis today. I actually chatted with him last week. And he, what was interesting about him was he, um, he talked to me about the future state of like the business for Duncan and really bring mm -hmm. me understanding the infrastructures of like how like the product gets was made. Was it Dunkin' Brands at that point in time yeah. or was it still Donuts? It was Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. It was before the rebranding. Okay. Great question. Yeah. Um, you know, based in Cam, and he had such a good relationship with the leadership there that I got a chance to understand what a franchisee is like. And how's that different from like a car dealer on the on the dealership side with Cadillac? And you know, what's the margins on coffee? Right? Yeah. Like if we're buying it for ninety nine cents, it's five cents, and right. ice is like gold. There, right. Right. So it's it's just all these things that you start to think about the in store experience, and it was just understanding the facets of all the marketing side that they have to manage where then our value from an advertising side had to know enough about that mm -hmm. so we could help, you know, help our marketing partners really elevate that that brand. So I love that. And then uh, I got a great call. I got a call from a recruiter that said, hey, you know, we're, we're kind of I love that you keep using recruiters, by the way. Oh, okay. hey, you know, I, soft space in my heart, right? <laughs> you know, cheers. Cheers on that cheers one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, um, I had a recruiter call me and said, hey, there's this opportunity out in San Francisco to go to McGarry Bowen. And I said, look, I'm happy right now. Yeah. And I'm not ready to uproot my family. Yeah. You know, I, I will get there at some point. My wife is like eight months pregnant. And when's your first child? Second, second child. Oh, yeah. So you're, she's you're like fucking in. Yeah, she's like yeah. on the same time. So she's at this time frame where it's, um, you know, like, what are we thinking about? And she was also at a moment in her career, she's like, you know, I really would like to pull back to be with these kids and yeah. take some time off. Yeah. Like, I just, it's hard. Like, that's a hard balance. And 
Uh, so sure enough, um, after some good negotiating, uh, landed an opportunity to go be the group managing director out in San Francisco to help them scale that San Francisco office. Mm -hmm. So there's about 13 people in that office. So I'd gone from like big, yeah. minimum of like four to 500 in an office to thousands of people in an office to we got 13, like startup zone, which is a totally new challenge, yeah, right? Different ball game. Yeah, everything from helping our office coordinator or like laptops and supplies yeah. to managing HR and recruiting and doing that as almost like a satellite office with New York as our headquarters, but trying to figure out balance to having my boss was the managing director based in New York and he would come out every three weeks so I had to make sure that he was up to speed on certain things but also keeping him informed and then motivating a team. And so we scaled it to about 35 people in about nine months. Mm. Um, the two clients out there were Intel and Clorox. Yeah, I've and, heard of them. And this, <laughs> you know, big CPG based yeah. brand and, and this chip maker that's a, like in everything yeah, around this. Yeah, literally, literally probably powering these microphones. Yes, you know? exactly. Um, and what was interesting, and this is where the war and peace will probably come to the slight close of the epilogue, yeah. is turning into Liberty Mutual, is both of those organizations uh, were building their in-house capabilities, right? So if you think about it as an external-based brand, or an external both, agency. Both Clorox and Intel. Both Clorox and Intel. Yeah. So Intel built a 90-person shop in like two years under awesome leadership of Steve Fund and Teresa Hurd. Super smart people, have a ton of respect for them. And they were building this operation from a very like, global creative point of view, meaning okay. like they could do social and digital content quickly, easily, and really, really well. Mm -hmm. So if you think about Intel technology, uh, it powers drones, right? Yeah. So if you look at the halftime Super yeah, Bowl so, stuff, yeah. that's Intel yeah. creating the content around that. Um, they could take an Intel, uh, they could go to the Great Wall of China and watch them rebuild the Great Wall of China or like, you know, monitor bee populations right. to save the earth. Like right. all crazy good stories. Clorox was building their in-house agency more on like an operationally efficient way because they've got 10 CPG based brands. If you think about that from like Brita, yeah. uh, Hidden Valley Ranch, Fresh Step Kitty Letter, Coal, uh, Checking Kings for Charcoal, they're all connected by like supply chains, classes, commodities, yeah. and like basic infrastructure, but that needs to be like a systems like approach. Right. So instead of them building- Mature business. Yeah, exactly. Mature business. And instead of them building like, hey, I'm gonna use this platform for this brand and this platform for this brand, they're like systems like approach on the platforms, but let's create a ton of content around that. Ah, cool. So super cool. Yeah, so, very different models though. Yeah, yeah. And, and so as our external agency side, it also was great because I could help us work on the big mass campaigns that our teams like. So on, on the Intel side, we were working with a ton of celebrities yeah. because they're in a performance strategy. So it was a year of working with Brady, Phelps, Serena, and Terrible. LeBron. Terrible. Terrible, you know? Terrible. Just, and that, that was cool, crazy, crazy times. But it was also a great way to have that brand have a moment in time and to be relevant. And on the clerk side, it was Hidden Valley Ranch and Fresh Step Kitty Litter for them to like get out more content for them and actually have a different point of view. And so, but the reality is, if there's any more work that's coming out, it's gonna to be tough to say, hey, it'll all come to McGarry Bowen. It might go into the internal agencies. So as a person who's also trying to drive revenue for that office, it's gonna hit a, a little bit of yeah, a flat there's line. a ceiling. Yeah, and so then we're gonna to have to build out a new business pipeline for San Francisco and what that looks like. Liberty calls at that point and said, hey, we've got this great group. Um, would you be interested in, in um, taking, you know, coming out here and taking a look at it? And I had had people that I had worked with at Hill Holiday. There. There's a great group of people there. I knew my predecessor really well, um, amazing creative director who had been there, and I'd actually worked with him at Hill Holiday, so I knew a lot of like, the you nuances know, of the, the nuances yeah. of the job. Um, and also there was, I was like, I think this is a next evolution of marketing and advertising for in-housing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I'd been there for five years, built Copper Giants. Uh, with that group, uh, could not do without the leadership team that's been with me for the majority of the time. And it's been amazing to see that ride uh, scaling. And it was, a, it was a very methodical five-year plan as mm. that was asked for. Mm. So. It's, and like, uh, maybe it's the ignorance in what I think of when I think about a business. And I'm a Liberty Mutual customer, right? There like you I go. Just like, it's just like, so I'm, maybe that's jading me. That's but right. when I first looked at your profile, I was like, Hill Holiday to Liberty Mutual. Like, damn, please explain. <laughs> so it makes so much sense. Yeah. Did, did you feel like, which one did you like better? Yeah. The way that Clorox was handling it or the way Intel was? That's a great question. Uh, to be honest, like, the beauty of it was... You got, to, uh, you got to drink from both cups kind of thing? I got to learn from both. Yeah. And, and the reality is that our Intel client had said, Cliff, like, figure out how we're going to work together. Like, this can't be... I think the reality is that most of the advertising and marketing landscape, when you've got a brand and they've got multiple agencies around it, it's really hard to create 
a really like good cohesive network across those people because there, a lot of them are driven by revenue Fair. or awards or scaling their operation. Yeah. And so there's an inherent competition that's related to that. But when a, a leader like the you know the team at Intel is like, nope, this needs to be great from both and I want to see the work from both of you at the same time, yeah. like organize this the right way, like don't make drama out of this. Right. Basically. And like right. like almost said it to those direct words. I like love that because it kind of reduces that tension and we have to say, hey, let's go, we're gonna go do Super Bowl work with Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> we have eight hours to get content for the Super Bowl, and we're gonna spend X millions of dollars on the whole program and put it in as real-time content. Like that's a moment where the teams all came together and it, and it worked out well. Like mm -hmm. it was an crazy thing. We were in the Twitter war room for that stuff. And we did that wow. with each of those celebrities. So that was amazing on that side. And on the Clark side, it was really new. Like I think it was part of like the moment of like understanding well, are you creating the content? Or are we creating the content? Is that okay? And mm -hmm. I, I think for me, I when I went to Liberty, I was like, I know there's a philosophy on one side of operationally efficient. So can I do this really efficiently so there's no waste, which I really appreciate on the Clark side, but can I still make great creative? Yeah. And can I pull people together that know how to do all of that? And there was a good base of people there that did. Exactly. It was you, just need, more, you need the leadership that's like, I'm buying into that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what it was. It was oh, like, cool. hey, can you create a best-in-class agency? Wow. Which is um, which is a little bit cliche. <laughs> yeah, but, but but I get it. But yeah. I get, but it's still like a really motivating thing. How many people today? Yep, on our team. Yeah, yeah, so we got 27 full-time employees, cool. two full-time contractors, three to five proofreaders on staff. Or sorry, on call, and then we also have a global offshore partner that we can tap into. Okay, so makes sense. So pretty good, robust, though. It's really. good, robust. It's a lot about capacity planning and managing the yeah. workflow for Liberty Mutual, um, and then now actually we just turned on an external offering as well. Oh. So, which people are like, what? Yeah, it makes sense. You're so, good at your job. Let's sell it as a new revenue stream. Ah, uh, see, we just summed it up. Why so sell? Yeah, so they, for, you a get living, it. for a living. But you get it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's that yeah. moment where we, that was the true north. Could yeah. we ever get good enough to know our insurance life cycle and the 300 to 500 projects that we do in a given year, plan those out as people, find development opportunities for our teams, helps us recruit people, right? Yes. Like and retain people yes. because now they're not just working on one brand and now they might have a chance to work on Harpoon Brewery, which they just did, right? right? Very cool. Really cool, right? right? And it's project work. It's not like we're gonna go be the agency of record for Harpoon. Yes. But if we can do a couple of those projects a year, our people are happy as best they can be. And, and so many people leave jobs because it's the same old, same old. Yep. I mean, I yep. like that world, right? Like yeah. that's like why people move, and you are now, Trying it's almost to like them. a retention strategy. 100%. Yeah. And it's also a financial strategy, too, because if yeah. you look at the idea of performance of work, when you recruit new people, year one, like they're really learning it. They're figuring out who their yes. partners are. They're yes. understanding the business. And especially insurance, which is super complex to understand, yeah. like, what work am I making? Yeah. And probably even more complex than retail or even For sure. consumer packaged goods, which has a, not a linear process, but you get it. Like It's, yeah. a, it's also a tangible You live one. it, too. You live, you live it, right? It. So, yeah. So year one is that kind of learning curve, which you can start to hit your stride. Year two, okay, performance doing well. And at that point in the creative role, a lot of people get itchy, right? They're yeah. like, hey, what's my next move? And right. what's this gonna be? And if I can keep them longer, we had a we had a goal. I said, look, I wanna keep people longer than three years. Mm. And it was sort of like, well, okay, why? And I was like, it's because it will reduce our operating costs because every time you have to, not to knock the recruiting no, goal, it's but, so true. but after you recruit and retain talent, it's so true. it has this balance of like, okay, and the performance of that work can get better because they've known it or done it for a year and they can make the next year or the year after that better. Yes. And then they're happy if they can have work-life balance and work on some other pieces yes. as well. No, I think that's a, it's a, I, I, uh, when you say stuff like that too, I don't think that that's taking any money out of the recruiting industry's pocket because there's so many shitty yeah. companies. Yep. That, that I'd rather just post the people out of the and bring them to the promised land. Like, no, man, you can spend five years here. Well, and that's and also something. And that's also a good thing where, like, I see it actually as a talent mobility option, and that's why mm -hmm. I like with the in-house side is that yeah. this wasn't, there were other in-house agencies that were around that have been awesome, right? Like, right. there's a guy named Wayne Berenger at Boeing who um, was there for so long, and he, like, did such a great job. Hope I got that right because it's Wayne and I know Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> so we got the right brand as we're thinking about this. But he was there for so long and he built it up and he's been one of those guys that's been very, um, you know, vocal in sort of the scaling and the capabilities of this. But it, there hasn't been a ton of that conversation for so long, right? Mm. Like, and now there's, hey, could you go in house? Could you go external? What's your next opportunity? Yeah. And as for young graduates or graduate students, like I talk at, um, I did BU this spring with their undergraduate and graduate class. 
and then I'm on the Suffolk uh, Marketing Advisory Council where we talk about like what's the opportunities that are out there and the skill sets you need. And now it feels like there's another category of options that they could explore. Right. Um, it's confusing. So like they need yeah. a little bit of guidance in that because it's not like I'll go agency or brand. It's like yeah. agency in-house or brand or... But it sounds like as long as you're... Uh, it's funny. I saw... You know like when you see those Instagram reels and you can't get them out of your brain? Yes. I forget who it was. I want to say it was that guy David Melnick who I don't really follow but I saw. He's an entrepreneur. Do you know that guy? I'm I don't know off the top of my head but, but if fine. You, give me but the context. He, he, said, yeah. he said that... He said that uh, he was in college and he was like, or he was in high school and he was told his brother that he wanted to be a doctor. And his brother looked at him, his older brother, and he was like, you don't like hospitals. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, I can like, I can do medicine. I'm bastardizing this, but I can yeah. do medicine okay. at like a office. Yeah. And he was like, and his brother looked at him and he goes, this is the best piece of advice anyone has ever given me to this day. And he goes, be more interested yeah. than interesting. Uh, and I feel like that's what you're yeah. doing with the schools. And even though there are more options and yeah. it's complex, like your story yeah. Like just sitting here, yeah. I kept thinking of it, being like, "Wow, you just were super interested in this shit," oh, I love and you it. kept peeling it back, peeling it yeah. back, and the jobs kind of took care of themselves. So I think it's inter- I, I, It's a common theme on the podcast, but also so isn't sponsorship is a new term, okay. of course, which I love. Okay, but mentoring and the yeah. power of networking yeah. keep coming back up, and it sounds like you leverage that and you've leaned in hard. I, I I still connect with. Uh, like my first boss is like, yeah. like once a year or every other year or sometimes a couple times a year. I, I believe in that network. And I also think the fact is, like I take a lot of calls from a lot of people who are trying to figure out their jobs and next people. Like yes. I'd say at least yes. probably three or four calls a week, yeah. or like half an hour quick chats. And like, I think that's a good use of time. 100%. For like liberty, but also just because I have people look out for me. Right? You like, gotta give back. You gotta help and, along. And I, like, yeah. I think of it like that, but I also think I was like, look, I want them to be excited about it the way I was. Yes. I want them to have that moment of driving across the GW Bridge when I'm like 21 or 22 years old, having just sold our yeah. first 15 second spot and it's gonna be on air. And it's like a guy on a plane putting a press trip in his mouth, right? Like, so th- those moments are like super impactful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where uh, advertising and marketing is a conversation piece, right? Yeah. It's hard. You can talk about markets in a financial standpoint. You can get really excited about it. But I think when, when you go into a, a social situation of any kind, you tell them what you do, you get one hit with, hey, I've got a great ad for you. Right? Yeah. Like, you're going to get that, oh. which is fine. And actually, I don't mind because yeah. I'm like, you know what? I love it. I can't actually and do anything with that. And inspire you for like, yeah, yeah, like, or well, actually, I can't. I can't actually take that idea. Yeah. Like, I can do yeah. anything with it because then, you know, there's some some proprietary scenarios there. But two, I just like the fact that everyone wants to, like, participate. Yeah. And I, and I believe in that. I think that creates a little mini, like, fun community side of it. Well, I know? mean, like, so. Super Bowl commercials are a thing because yeah. we love them. Yeah, everyone's like, a critic. Everyone like, gets to be a critic. And, yeah. like, who doesn't love being sold to? And I mean, I'm certainly jaded because I'm a salesperson. Yeah. But, like, it's, like, when you are at the car dealership's a rare place. Yeah. But if you're at the car dealership where you're somewhere and you get great customer service and someone is selling you, yeah. like, I'll look at the person and be like, I've, I fucking love being yeah. sold and you just did a 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. ask questions. I will take those formats yeah. out of yeah. me. I, 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 I am in. Yeah. I am in and I am not going to negotiate. Or, or you'll get to the point in that car dealership where like, I know what's going on here. Can we just have a real conversation? Yeah. Like, and then they're like, like, they break down their mold and like, all right, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. And I probably still got sold at that moment and I gotta get back to work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. When did your job? We, we talked about it. The five-year plan was the five-year plan. Also, when your job became a career, like what? Like when did it become yeah. a career? Were you like I'm in? You know, it's a, that's. I think it's a great question. Um, I think I during those first few years in New York for three and a half years, like I was in it. Like I was like looking at work across everything. Like even outside of work, I was, I was like kind of a, like an advertising addicted. nerd. You were addicted. Yeah. Totally. Like when Immersed. I was talking about, Immersed. yeah, like <laughs> I was yeah. that kid at bars that was talking about the shape of Gerber nipples because of yeah. the German engineering. And mm-hmm. that's like super weird and random for a 26 year old yes. dude in New York. But I liked it. I loved it. And I was like, hey, and then like, it would be about like Mm. the baby food and the packaging. And like, that's not a normal conversation at the bar. Be like, hey, how are you today? You were interested. I was interested. And then I started just realizing the, like everything around us had kind of a consumer consumer moment of some kind. And especially when you're in New York, when you're just hit, like whether it's Times Square or or everything around you, it's kind of the height. Yeah, you're inundated. So I think it, I think I always really want to have a business with a creative side. I think what I decided was that this was my path um, 
probably really when I left New York that this was 100% what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Cool. I knew that there was going to be options. I think the reality is now that I've gone in-house, like there's trajectories of where that can go. Yeah. Right? Like you can go up the marketing side, and I love that, where you could be, you know, a, a VP of marketing or brand manager or a CMO. Yeah. Or if I ever feel like I've got that option, I could go be... Um, or like an operations director within yeah. an organization or things like that because I'm running an op uh, scenario. Or it could be, hey, uh, you know, the agency president side or, or mm. that executive leadership because I've looked up to so many of those executive leaders. I've met with so many of them so I could look at the infrastructure and what they created and, and think about like how could I shape the trajectory of it. But with that mind of, well, I would want to make that to be a sustainable business so that the people that work for that organization can see longevity there right. and can see a path for themselves right. the same way I started to plan that out. So it's, um, I think it probably started up, maybe it was on the, you know, on the U-Haul or yeah. maybe it was when I got hustled by like an 88 year old woman at the, uh, uh, <laughs> at the casino on my way down to Miami <laughs> and she like slow rolled me for, you know, She's low rolled me on a big play and I should, she took like 200 bucks off that I did not have. And that I was like, oh, come karma. on. And I was like, you know what? Maybe, you know, I yeah. can't be... Karma. No, maybe <laughs> I really can't be Matt Damon Rounders. <laughs> I, I really should just focus in on this thing that I think I love. So. Really really cool. I um, What a phenomenal story. R real quick, not beers and careers related. Yep. When your wife was pregnant with your second child yeah. and you went back to San Fran, did she come? Oh, absolutely, yeah. You did. I didn't, she I missed married. that. I didn't, yeah, no, yeah, she did. So know. she, so we went out there for 14 months. Holy shit. Yeah, she was <laughs> Holy shit. It was Buy all, a house? No, we rented, but it was like the hottest nightmare it could ever be. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we had a deal where we could get relocated. Yeah. But we had sort of a stipend and like I ended up hiring a really bad mm. like moving company that came and it's terrible like getting out of the house. Baby now is two months old. Oh, so eight months pregnant, we get the opportunity. I said, "Look, I can't move right now. Like we're literally about to have this baby. Yeah, uh, have the baby, Beckham, Beckham and Levy, and uh, two months. We pack up Salem, Massachusetts, our first home. Yeah, yeah, and we we sold it, which was great. And then we get everything out there, and, and we're without furniture for like three and a half weeks in a rental property. So she literally has to buy a pan, like plastic oh. plates, and like a." a like a, a, a nursing chair yeah, for like Target to sit, in. to sit in. Yeah. And we're in sunny California, so yeah. at least the weather's amazing, yeah. and we're on the other side of the oven, which is the, the tunnel between okay. San Francisco and Oakland that gets okay. over to Walnut Creek where we lived. And so we had that, so it wasn't like it's downpouring and you're in New England at right. the moment. Right, Or, you know, but it was, uh, it was rough. And then we got settled. But then it started to be working like crazy, and that's where we... Uh, where like the, it's intense when you're working at kind of a startup based environment. Oh, I you know, and so I, I mean, was I was having trouble being like present in the moment. So we're like, hey, let's look at our environment right now yeah. and see what we can do. And that's when the liberty opportunity comes. Okay. Popped up. We're like, all right, let's make them. But yeah, she definitely went with me. Well, I didn't know if you were flying back and forth. No, I, you know we talked about yeah. that, and yeah. and I think I've even realized you know in future state I was like I don't especially with our kids growing up like I think that's one of those key values I'm like oh, you got it like you want to be there like I want to be able to coach my daughter in soccer and my yeah. son in flag football and yeah. attend concerts it and came up this week when I was talking to our owner yeah. I was like I love the fact that I don't think twice about being no I, I think that's the that's the um, it matters it matters that, that's matters. balance where yeah. it's like you're not going to be questioned on those things and that's something where you know at Liberty Liberty's amazing about that I'd yeah. say like today yeah. it's like hey I gotta head out to go meet with the Dave's comments for a podcast no question about that. Yeah, yeah, the office, yeah. you know, for There's trust and that morning. So I think, and and we're wrapping it up here, but like, I think that a theme that often doesn't get talked about too is that uh, we had this woman on Krista, uh, who runs this phenomenal like training and development company. She's a friend, lives in town, and her husband like stays at home and raises the kids, and it's like a very like you seem like you're in a similar situation. Like it is impossible to have a ripping ripping job I think without like a, the support mechanism yeah. that's like helping you get through it because yeah. you're also yeah. like you made some crazy decisions going back Don't. to San Fran not crazy but like well it, in a great way but a hundred percent it would but you know what it was it was like there was two things that went for it it was the hey this is a great opportunity for me to advance in my career and yes. actually have a new challenge it gave the opportunity for Tiff to fully take a step back and focus on the kids 
I think we completely underestimated the real estate market when we were out there. <laughs> by, by, by we're like, oh, we can try and get a house that's like maybe a 30% more than ours in Salem. And we're like, oh. Not a fucking joke. You mean 1,800 square feet is yeah. 1.2 to 1.5? And you like Corolla. 800 square feet of toys? Like, well, this isn't going to work. Like, so it, it, I think there's, you learn from that. Like, yes. And you kind of look at it as, and if you look at it as like such a time that was like so rough and you're like, oh, we can't go back to so it. It's like, no, like, what do we learn from that time frame? And my wife and I think we both learned of like, how do we create balance? How do we turn down situations that might seem amazing at first, but you're Mm. like, "Mm, is that the right thing? Or, hey, are the people at Liberty Mutual great? And I was like, yes, they're great. Yeah. Right? Like, they're they're good people. Are you going to be happy there? Like, yeah. Can you see five years? Yes, I can see five years. Right? Like, that's one of those moments where I'm like, okay. Stand back. Yeah. Ask some good questions. And see see if you can do it. Do you feel like you're, uh, because I ask myself this, I feel like sometimes I'm reaping ROI from uh, like eating shit earlier in my career, like doing <laughs> stuff that like well, working late nights, Saturdays, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like just like I feel like today they're often. I was texting my wife today at the BCCO club. Yep. I was like, I'm at a lunch with the one percent of the one percent of the one percent of the one percent. And I was like, I sh- and I'm Mark. Yeah, I have a high up clip. She's like, is, so. are things good at work? And I'm like, no, like this is awesome. Yeah. But I feel like I'm reaping the rewards for later. And so I asked myself today, I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I sacrificing yeah. that I'm reaping, going to reap down the road? Do you think of it like that at so all? So it's funny. I've had a lot of conversations. I do a lot of self-reflection on this, and I'd say two things. I have, I'd say a weakness of mine is like I have trouble being truly happy and satisfied in the moment of like achievement. Like, Fair. Like not to sound super nope. narcissistic, but nope. like a lot of people are like, wow, you've created an agency that's like, it's like well, yeah, got this extra like, offering. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I'm like, no, but what's next? Right? Like I, I think that's the pulse of like the marketing and advertising landscape that I'm always like in this moment of what can be the next way to shape this like environment that we're right. in. And so there's a little bit of like not, not satisfied, but also a little bit of unsatisfaction. So I have to kind of be super mm-hmm. conscious of that mm-hmm. for myself and my team. You're wired to want more. Yeah, like, right. I, like I, think I don't do well in a very, normal. like, kind of plateau-based yeah. moment. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I get antsy and, and you know. <laughs> um, but I will say, and this will be another podcast for another day, I do believe that the work environment has changed so dramatically and probably been changed dramatically in the last three years, especially because of COVID, of people wanting to change the way they think about their jobs and careers, yeah. right? And for me, to your question earlier, I thought of mine as like, this will be my career, not just, like the jobs are jobs as part of the career track. Yes. But like, it's I think of it as a- as One a, body of work. Yeah. That has and, many chapters. And yeah, there were times when I was in New York and I would literally be running across town from our edit suite at two in the morning with a three quarter inch tape, which no one knows what that right. is in days. Yes. It, yes. <laughs> it's a three quarter inch tape that's like like an old school brick. It's like, is that an eight track? It's yes. like, that's kind of questions you get. Yes. To the studios to get them dubbed and shipped and then run back and sit this thing out and, and literally physically running across town so the Domino's pizza spots could get on air. At one or two in the morning, and then job well done. Yeah, right? and so back at the office. I, yeah, yeah, I slept in the office a couple yeah. times, right? Because yeah. I'd be working in Berlin, and I. But at the time, I loved that because yes, it wasn't work. It wasn't working. It was part of like the drive, and at the very least, even if I wasn't good at my job, they knew I at least like worked my butt off. Mm-hmm. So there's never going to be a question about my work ethic yes. at that point, and that's what I appreciate now. So maybe there's a reap of that penance now of of that, but I also want I that a little think, bit. I gotta think there is. I, I maybe I gotta think there is. like I left last night here at like six forty five. Yeah, I, I haven't done a whole lot yeah. as much because you can work from home yep. and that kind of thing. And I remember driving home being like, "This will pay off." I don't know when and I don't know where. And it kind of paid off today. <laughs> like it was good, yeah, it was yeah. good. But I think no, nah, man, I appreciate it. I I gotta ask you one more question sure. because I think uh, you and I are of a similar demo from an age standpoint. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like we? And, I, and this is a leading question because I do. Do you feel like we have a unique advantage because we grew up in a time where there was no tech, but at the same Great time question. we went through the tech revolution, um, and it is yeah. it isn't foreign. Like like yeah. like the like the kids that are graduating now, yeah. it's all they've known. Like I had a fucking phone, yeah. you know, without an area code. Yeah, right. Like we <laughs> yeah. have both. You can like two five six two six five six. We have yep. such a unique. That was my first help, my first like exactly. home like yeah you three know. two nine five three. Yeah. Two. I feel like I feel like we have a unique advantage of bridging. Yeah, a situation here, and like you're in such a fast moving, yeah, disruptive industry. So, it's interesting. I, I think it's the evolution of the generational impact on each other. 
right? Like, yes, yes. Right? If you look well at, said, yeah. you, you can look at my parents' generation, which yeah. I love, and I look at them being like core-based value, like mm-hmm. grew up in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that because that is inherently like the best of me that I could probably have from sure, them yeah. is like how I treat people and do all those things. I and then like, I think about I like, about and, and the flip of that is also like, I pressure test a lot of my ideas with some of my more junior people on my team because I want to hear what their perspective is. And it's a different environment. And we've had this conversation about the like, uh, live to work, work to live yeah. in a very different way. Yeah. And also the impulse of like tech and what that environment is like. They, I sound like I'm, I'm 41, but I sound like I'm old. I'm like, let's be real. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. and they're like, do I need to know about? It? Like, they're like, just watch the Saturday Night Live skits. You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. But like, there is a side where um, I think it changes your, uh, your focusing on like that true value moment. Mm. And I hope as part of it which is also nice and whether it's this next generation or even like my kids, yeah. that there is this values push that actually is becoming much more exasperated, much more accepting out in the world, yeah. which I really, really like. Yeah. Like I love my kids and like the education that they're getting right now of how, uh, like it, it just is. It's, it's, it actually is very inspiring to see mm-hmm. even a younger generation, which will still be tech heavy, yes. but I think they'll do it with much more value-based moments in time where some of the people that are on the cusp of those two areas. Caught up in it. Right, like you get caught up in it. scrolling, yeah. So, yeah, I I talk Mm. with a lot of peers and partners about like, hey, what do you like most? They're like, I struggle with some of the younger generation that like thinks they're amazing because they've got a big social perspective. Yes. And social digital perspective. And I said, well, what are you learning from them? And they're like, well, and they're like, a lot of times that's a, that's a value exchange of a conversation you actually need to dive a little deeper and not just brush them off as you're on your phones all at the same place inside a restaurant and yeah. yeah they might be but like how do you engage in that conversation to change that a little bit mm-hmm. right and it also might be your responsibility as that next generation to say all right how do we have a conversation here where right? things away yeah, yeah. Or, or not even yeah. that just saying like what are you doing so i can say well show me be real yeah right? like yeah. and what does this mean and like should i spend time with this and i won't but like, and I'm not trying to make that rude or condescending. I just mean like, no, I'm not going to spend my nights where I'm sitting next to my wife in bed, be like, "Hey, do you want to watch Netflix or jump on Be Real and do something?" Like right. whatever. Right. Um, but it's I conscious. Think, it's I, a conscious part of your I life. I think you have to like in our moment of accepting of different like generations, you have to kind of overstep just like the same way you have to do in your own community. In Correct. General. So oh, like, I like invest that. and ask questions. I, I think that's one thing that if I could give any advice to the next generation is like continue to keep asking questions of the different generations both younger and older than you which is what I because there's wisdom to your point of interested yeah like keep asking yeah don't shut that conversation down don't expect that you know it like that's part of it like show appreciation for people who have lived through it and and to be honest that'll probably to your point benefit you in the long haul of oh that person doesn't have a skill that I need but I love their approach right like I'll take that person over any day of the week yeah. to join our team if they're like oh you're super interesting you don't have the right experience but I can get you that I can get you that I can't yeah. teach questions yes yeah I can't, I, can't teach, I can't teach you if you don't want to be open to a different perspective or a different way of working or if you're shut down in a different way but someone who's hungry yeah. I'll take hungry all day I love it Cliff I this was fucking awesome I love it I had a fucking blast I, I hope you did so. too you cheers didn't, you didn't get to drink much of your Tito's no it's all good it's probably not a bad thing <laughs> but it's good but thanks again for coming on beers thank you so much thanks appreciate it